Hey, it's so great to be out here at North of all of you guys. Kia ora koutou katoa. And North had such a great showing at Increase. It was incredible. It was a powerful time. And Increase is just going to continue on because tonight we've got a Holy Spirit encounter night. And we've got about five of us sharing things the Lord's laid on our heart. And we're going to be praying for a bunch of people with each of those things. So it's going to be one big altar call tonight. It's going to be awesome. So I hope you can come on out. And... Um, it was really exciting. And I loved Increase. Hands up if you were at Increase. Yeah, so make sure you put it in the calendar for next year. Now, when you buy your new calendar, the first weekend of the school holidays, which is the last weekend of September, I believe, for 2024, it is going to be incredible. So this morning, we're, we're going deep. Are you ready to go deep? Turn to the person next to you and say, we're going deep this morning. <laughs> Sean, I'll be your friend, even if no one else is. <laughs> yeah, these thoughts have sort of come out of Father's Day, and then I was on a parenting panel, which I only went on because the person who was meant to be on couldn't come in the end, so I replaced her. <laughs> I always thought I won't go on a parenting panel until my youngest is 35. <laughs> but anyway, I was on it by default. <laughs> and um, yeah, and I've been thinking around this. So my title this morning is The Father Heart of God. If you're taking notes, I encourage you to write that down now. The Father Heart of God. Father, I pray you would speak to us. Lord, I pray it'll be your words and not mine. Lord, change us. Help us to have a revelation this morning of the Father heart of God, of your Father heart toward us in Jesus' name. Amen. So I've got some quotes here um, about parenting. And uh, this one's anonymous. It says, get even, live long enough to be a problem to your kids. (laughs) I said, Amen. Here's one by Lionel Kaufman. Children are a great comfort in your old age, and they help you to reach it faster too. <laughs> and this is a lastly a well-known one. You've probably heard it by Mark Twain, that great North American author. When I was a lad of 14, my father was so ignorant, I could hardly stand to have the old man around. But when I got to be 21, I was astounded at how much he had learned in only seven years. <laughs> so hands up if you are a parent. Cool. And I'm not only talking to you today. I'm talking to all of us, regardless of our age. And I'm talking largely about spiritual parenting, because you can be a spiritual parent when you're 10 years old by leading your friend to the Lord and discipling them, even if you're not a natural parent. But with parenting, we subconsciously reproduce what we have seen. And this could be good or bad, depending on the role models that we have had. But I really believe the Lord wants to heal our hearts, and He wants to be our role model of what a a great Father is. And only when we allow the Lord to heal our hearts and we allow Him to become our role model, only then can we become a loving spiritual mother or father to many. Because the nature of God is Father. And he is a good father. He is a provider. He is a protector. He is a deliverer. He is the source of our identity. You know, in the natural, in our Western culture, uh, we get our last name from our father, our identity. But he has given us a new name, Christian, little Christ, Christ Christ-like, Christ follower. That is who we are. Now we have a new identity. We are his. We belong to him. And do you know what? I really feel like we as people have no idea who we really are until we find him. When I was almost 19 and I met the father, it was only then I actually started to see who I was. 
When we meet the Father, we get to know who He is, and then we actually come to know who we are. When we realize we are made in the image of our Father God, we start to live up to that. But when we don't know who we are, we don't live up to our potential. We live like we're lost. And it's only when we know who He is, then we know who we are, then we can effectively become a good, strong father or mother to the next generation. A spiritual mum, a spiritual dad, and we are all called to that. This is our job. Because it's not all about me. It's not all about you. It's not all about us. It's actually about the ones we can raise up. And when we're at Increase, um, one of the great things about sitting on the front row is I got to sort you get to be in the mosh pit, whether you want to be or not. <laughs> You're in it. And all these young people were standing in front of me. And I think it was the last night, all these Empower Age kids, which is what we call our Intermediate Age programs, all these intermediate kids were standing in front of me. And then I could, they were sort of in lines, but I felt like the Lord showed me they were in lines that way, but I could see lines going this way and all these lines of heads of people who they are going to reach for the Lord. It was in the spirit. They were people who are not in church yet, but they're going to be. They're not in the kingdom yet, but they're going to be. That's who these kids are going to reach. And I felt so excited. So we're all called to be a parent and raise up disciples. What's our vision? Say it with me if you know it. Save souls, disciple believers and train leaders. So that middle one, we're discipling believers. That involves reproducing ourselves raising up more disciples, being a spiritual mum and a spiritual dad in the faith. That's what we're called to be. And we can be spiritual parents even if we're young. Do you know what? There's a lack of fathers in our nation. The statistics are less than half the babies born in New Zealand have married parents. More than half of Kiwis are born out of wedlock. Wedlock, that's a strange old word, isn't it? You're locked in. <laughs> 1 Corinthians 4 says you you may have 10,000 instructors in Christ, but you do not have many fathers. It is a fatherless generation. And spiritually and emotionally, we need mums and dads more than ever before. We all need that voice of a father, of a mother speaking into our lives. No matter what sort of upbringing you have had, I want you to know today that the Lord wants to be a father to you. Here's our first scripture, Romans 8, 15. The second half says in the New King James, Romans 8, 15, you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. And that's like slang. It's kind of like saying daddy or God. Like it's an intimate form of father. The Lord has chosen us to be his and he has given us a strong sense of identity and security and stability. Now, I've drawn um, on Pastor Phil Pringle's book, Healing the Wounded Spirit, which is very good also. Floyd McClung's book, uh, he's an old YWAM guy called The Father Heart of God. And I have these books if you want to borrow them. However, I've lent them out to other people, so I don't actually have them, but I have them. When they come back, I will have them. I'm believing for them to come back. (laughs) A lot of these things also in the church library. However, the church library, sometimes I go and get things and they're not there and no one knows where they are. So if you have a church library book, please an amnesty. <laughs> anyway, here's a quote from Floyd McClung's The Father Heart of God. He said, time and again, it has been the discovery of God as father, perfect and reliable, unlike any human parent that has brought healing and liberty. Do you want to receive the father's love? Then spend time in his presence. Receiving his love is not like receiving a piece of something. It is the result of being with God. It is the result of being with God. That's how we receive the Father's love. 
So the Lord wants to be everything to us. He wants to be a father and a mother to you. And when we have that foundation, we will become strong, mature believers who grow up and become solid mums and dads in the faith. But here's the thing. We can't ever be a spiritual mum or dad unless we have allowed ourselves to first be fathered by the Lord. We have to let Him father us. There's too many Christians walking around with an orphan spirit because they haven't let the Lord father them. And we have to do that. I'm talking about getting a revelation of the father heart of God. Only then can we fully function out of that as a spiritual mum or dad. So we've got to let him be our dad, our provider, our protector, our coach, our encourager, our guide, our helper, our deliverer, our identity. You know, I've been to enough school reunions to know that kids turn out like their parents. (laughs) It's quite scary. He's a chip off the old block, isn't he? Yeah, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. We want to be like that with our father. We want to turn out like our father, don't we? We want to have our father's eyes. The more time we spend with him, the more we'll emulate his ways. The more we hang with him, the more we will pick up his mannerisms. The more we will look like him, we will sound like him. And his voice is one of loving kindness. And this stuff is more caught than taught. We catch it from him. The more we look to him and seek him out and hear his voice through his word, the more we will become like him. We will love what he loves. We will hate what he hates. So this morning we're going to have a bit of a close up zoom in on two men from the Old Testament and how they did and didn't let the Lord father them, David and Saul. So I'm going to read a bit from 1 Samuel 16. Now, the story of David and Saul goes for many chapters, but I can't read many chapters because of time. So I've just picked a bit, and I'm going to read that bit. I hope that's okay with you. 1 Samuel 16, verse, I'm going to read 13 verses. Here's 1 to 13. And I've got an NIV here, but I think that might be a newer NIV. It might be slightly different. The Lord's, because this is what happens when you buy old Bibles from the op shop <laughs> for $1. Uh, the Lord said to Samuel... How long are you going to mourn for Saul since I've rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I've chosen one of his sons to be king. But Samuel said, well, how can I go? Saul will hear about it and kill me. The Lord said, take a heifer, that's a small cow for all you non-agricultural people, with you and say, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one I indicate. Samuel did what the Lord said. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met him. They asked, do you come in peace? Samuel replied, yes, in peace. I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse made Shammah pass by, but Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. But Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? Well, they're still the youngest, Jesse answered, but he is tending the sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. 
So he sent and had him brought in. He was ruddy with a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. He is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came upon David in power. Samuel then went to Ramah. So we see here that David was obviously not the favored child. He was out the back of the farm with the sheep when the prophet came calling. He was not even presented to the prophet with the other seven older brothers. His father had to be questioned closely before he even called David in the house. Now, there is a question some scholars say this may be because he was illegitimate, which you may have heard before, it's conjecture. But Psalm 51 verse 5, which David wrote, he said, in sin did my mother conceive me. Now, this is probably or possibly just a reference to the sin nature we are all born with. But some scholars may think it may hint at David being illegitimate. Whatever the reason was, David was obviously not favoured by his dad. But even though David was not loved or favoured by his dad, Jesse, as much as his seven older brothers were, David found a father in the Lord. He wrote about his love for God in the Psalms. Did you know 113 of the 150 Psalms are attributed to David? Ethan wrote one, Solomon wrote two, Moses wrote 11, Asaph wrote 11, the sons of Korah wrote 12. The Psalms are an overflow of David's devotional life. So David's out the back of the farm, faithfully tending his dad's sheep. And what did he do? He worshipped God on his 10-string lyre. No one was watching. He's just worshipping and singing and writing songs to the Lord. Come rest on us. He's worshipping God and he's lifting his hands when he's not playing his lyre. And, and David found God to be a faithful father to him. Like it says in Psalms, I think we've got it, 27 verse 10. He said, when my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will take care of me. So David had this revelation of the father heart of God. This is what we need too. He had experienced the love of the father in such a real strong way. This gave him deep security, stability, boldness. It was a strong foundation for his whole life. He didn't just grasp God's love on an intellectual level and give mental acquiescence to it. Yes, I know, I know God loves me. Yes, I know. He experienced it. All those hours out there alone with only the Lord as his companion and the sheep. He felt the Father's love. He wrote of it. He sang it. He proved it. He knew it. He experienced it. We need the same revelation of God's love also. When we truly know God's love, not just know in our heads, but know experientially, it gives us security, stability, a strong foundation for life, more than anything else in this world. And in his book, The Father Heart of God, Florida Clung suggests two practical things we can do, write these down, for us to receive the Father Heart of God. Number one, time alone in the presence of God. That's worship. Not just here on Sundays with other people. Time alone in the presence of God. Number two, underline scriptures about the character of God. Underline scriptures about the character of God and pray them aloud. Of yourself. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, rich in love. We are getting a solid foundation of truth in our minds and in our spirits of who He is. 
And I'd also have some helpful suggestions. Have a freedom prayer and go on a second God retreat. There you go. (laughs) These things help us. David's encounter with the Father's love set him up for his whole life. Now, we know he faced many enemies, both from within and without his kingdom, both from inside and outside. But because he knew the Father, he had strength to face any and all battles. And the Father's love made David strong and bold. We see this boldness when he killed a lion and he killed a bear that he was telling King Saul about that before he took on a giant. So standing firm in the Father's love gives us great confidence. We see that in David. And we can even withstand attacks of a bear and a lion and a giant. Those attacks at work work you have, those attacks on your health, those attacks on your business and your finance and relationships and your family. And we can, like David, defeat them and come out victorious when we have this strong foundation of the Father's heart of God, the Father's heart of love toward us. And knowing this Father's love makes us also, like David, defend the sheep God has entrusted to us with great ferocity. That's our children, our disciples, our connect group, our grandkids. You know, David would go and rip a lamb out of the lion's mouth, out of the bear's mouth. That's what he told King Saul happened. So knowing the Father's love makes us bold for ourselves and makes us defend others with boldness. Because we know He's got our back. Yeah. Who can hurt me? What can hurt me if my dad is with me? If God is for me, who can ever be against me? The Father's love gives us such courage, such faith, such confidence, such boldness. We don't fear rising interest rates. We don't fear being made redundant because my dad will supply. He is Jehovah Jireh, my provider. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills. He is loaded. Not just a thousand cattle on a hill. A, th- a cattle on a thousand hills. My dad's the boss. Tell the person next to you, my dad's the boss. Sean, you can say it to me. It's okay. <laughs> you know, David didn't just... Poor Sean, he's on the front row by himself. No. David didn't just see the Lord as a distant religious figure as some cosmic force or a theological idea. He had proved God for himself. He knew the Lord well because he had spent hours alone with him. When you spend hours alone with someone, you get intimacy. He had intimacy with God. The more time that you spend alone with the Lord, the more time I spend alone, the more time we spend alone with him, the more we will trust him, the more we will know his voice. And because David knew the Lord as father, he was stable, he was secure. This enabled him to be a stable, secure father in the natural to his own children. Also, a spiritual father to 600 discontented, distressed men who he formed into an army. And later, a father to a whole nation. Now, we know from reading the Bible, later in life, David had many problems in his own family, which incidentally came after he had committed adultery and murder, and the prophet said, from now on, you're going to have a mess in your family, basically, in other words. And we see one of David's sons raped one of his daughters. Then the other son killed that first son and then tried to kill his own dad, David, and take his kingdom. And you thought your family had issues. (laughs) Talk about dysfunctional with a capital D. (laughs) But through it all, David was able to be a wise, loving dad and stay calm because he was on a foundation of the father's love which is secure. How many insecure Christians have we got walking, whoops, I'm heading into things, walking around. We need a revelation of the Father's heart of God so we're secure. Do you know what? God even compared in the Bible future kings of Judah to David for generations afterward. 
You know, you can read through First Kings, First Chronicles, and you hear, oh, this guy then became king, and he reigned for this many years, and his mother was this lady, and and then um, and he did evil in the eyes of the law. He was he did what was right in the eyes of the law, but he didn't follow me like my servant David did. He left the pagan shrines, and you can hear the longing in the father's voice. I just wish someone would worship me like my servant David did. I just wish someone would know me and lead out of that love that he's received from me. David sent a new benchmark and passion for God. So that's David. Okay, are you ready for Saul? So you're quite opposite. We can read about Saul for nine chapters from 1 Samuel 10 to 18. Saul was king before David. Saul, in contrast to David, did not know the Lord as a father like David did. Yeah, he'd been saved for sure. We see in chapter 10 of 1 Samuel that the prophet Samuel prophesied over Saul and God changed Saul's heart. And Saul had a brief encounter with the Holy Ghost power. He even prophesied. But he didn't know the Father's heart. He was not secure in the Father's love. He was insecure. Now, knowing the Father's love made David secure and bold enough to take on a giant even. And because David knew the Father, David knew who he was in the Father. But Saul didn't have any of that going on. And this lack of knowing and experiencing the Father's love made Saul fearful. Saul didn't really know the Lord, which meant he didn't really know who he was. And we see in 1 Samuel 10, verse 21 and 22, they're trying to find Saul to call him out to be king. But he, hit, he was hiding. They couldn't find him. He hid in the baggage. They had to get a word of knowledge from God to find out where the heck he was. Even though he's a head and shoulders taller than everyone else. It's not enough for us as believers to just know about God. We have to know God. Like a father, even the devil knows about God. We've actually got to know him personally, intimately. We've got to know the sound of his voice. You know, when Alan calls me, he doesn't have to say, hi, it's Alan speaking. I know, I know his voice. Because I've heard it every day for almost 33 years. Because that's counting before we got married as well. <laughs> We've got to know the Father's voice. And then uh, chapter 18, that Saul starts comparing himself to David. This is what we do when we're insecure. Comparing, jealousy, controlling, manipulation. So then Saul said, David, you've got to stay with me. Then he banished him. No, you can't come a few chapters later. He was jealous of him. He started controlling him and manipulating him in the situation. When we don't know the Father's love, we won't know who we are. When we don't know who we are, we'll become threatened by others and start comparing and and being jealous and all of this and manipulating, controlling. We will perceive people who are our brothers and sisters as competitors, threats to us, instead of brothers and sisters. Instead of loving our brothers and sisters and encouraging them, we'll be jealous of them, so we'll try and compete with them and be better than them. We'll be constantly striving to be the top dog and keep our spot. Here's a quote from Pastor Bill Johnson from Bethel Church in California. He said, jealous Christians just don't know who they are. You'd never be jealous of somebody else if you knew who you were. You'd never want somebody else's gift if you knew why you were alive. Amen. When we know the Father's love and we know who we are, then we're content to run our own race, not somebody else's. 
And it doesn't bother us if someone has, and one of our brothers or sisters in Christ or someone we know in the kingdom has more money than us, has a better job, a bigger house, a flash, a newer car, a more fruitful ministry. Or maybe they're leading a connect group and they've got more people in their connect group than we have in ours. We can celebrate with others. When we're living in the Father's love, because we're on this foundation of His security, we are resting, we're not striving. But Saul wasn't living in obedience to the Father. And you know what? He even opened himself up to demonic influence. We see in 1 Samuel 18, an evil spirit would come upon him. So this Saul story is actually quite sad. He starts off so well. Called to be king, born again, touched by the Holy Spirit's power. But he ends up down the road in disobedience to God, tormented by demonic spirits, trying to kill his own son-in-law, David, throwing spears at him. He even tried to kill his own son once, Jonathan, threw a spear at him. And Saul, if you finish the story, actually took his own life. It's a sad story. He knew about the father, but he didn't know the father's heart. But David, by contrast, made knowing the father the greatest priority of his life because David was a true worshipper. And when the Lord is looking for a leader, he will pick a worshipper every time. He will pick a worshipper. David was faithful in the small things, so God made him faithful over many things. He was faithful in shepherding his father's sheep, so God entrusted him with shepherding a whole country. David's fatherly influence was not just to a few, but to a nation. Saul missed his calling. He could have and should have been a father in the faith to David, to his own kids. He was David's father-in-law. After all, he could have discipled him and loved him and encouraged him and raised him up and trained him and released him. But because Saul had never let the Lord father him, he didn't know how to father others. This can be our problem too. If we don't let the Lord father us, we will not be able to father and mother others. Saul even struggled with his own biological children, Jonathan, Michal. When they were were both forced to choose, they chose David instead of their own dad. Let's close our eyes for a moment. I'm going to ask us some questions, myself included. Today, am I seeing more of myself in David or in Saul? Am I truly fathered by God or am I orphaned? Am I resting and trusting in the Father's love? Or am I striving, trying to control and compete with things and people? Am I able to love and encourage and father and mother the next generation? Am I able to call out the giftings in them and give them a go? Or am I threatened by them? Do I manipulate them and control them? Do I try and keep them down in their place so I won't lose my place? Let's open our eyes. We're going to pray for some people in a moment, but I'm just finishing now, and the band can join me. It would be great. If we won't let the Lord father us and speak into our lives and correct us, and we won't ever be able to successfully father and mother others. We'll always be striving to keep our role, our title, our job, our position. And, and then we won't help out that new guy at work because then he might get ahead of me in line for promotion. And we, you won't be nice to that new girl at, at school or at uni because she's really pretty. And if you invite her along to youth, well, the guys might notice her more than you. 
And we can really have a problem raising up new leaders. Well, I'm the connect group here, not you. No, you can't have a go at leading a night because if I let you do it, well, you might be better than me. And you might take my job and then what would I do? Or worse still, you might be given your own group. You might run a bigger group than me and then I'd feel small. Hello, we need more connect groups. It sounds like kingdom expansion to me. Our real job is to do ourselves out of a job by training up others and giving them a go. This is why we try and have lots of different people ministering on a Sunday and giving people a go. Pete, have a go at the communion. Um, other people, you know, let's get people doing stuff. Sunday nights, we give heaps of different people a go. Alan and I hardly ever preach on a Sunday night. <laughs> this Sunday night, there's five of us bringing something. We've got a, a teenage guy doing communion. I don't know if he's ever, I, th- I think he might have spoken at a youth service for a little bit once before. But it's amazing how we need to be giving a lot of people a go because Jesus wants His kingdom to grow larger, adding more people to it. He doesn't want anyone to be lost. So we've got to get lots of different people ministering and using the gifts. You know, it is our responsibility to set up our kids on a strong foundation of love. As I said before, one generation captures spiritual ground, the next generation builds on it. One generation captures spiritual ground, the next generation builds on it. So then it goes up like this, like steps. The heights we attain, our heights we attain in our lives will just be the starting point for our kids, our spiritual children, our biological children. You know, our ceiling, that'll be their floor, their foundation. And our children, both natural and spiritual, will run faster. They will run further. They will fly higher than we ever did. And that's good. And that means we've done our job well. And if they don't, something's wrong. And we say, hey, get on my back. I'm going to carry you. I'll carry you as far as I can. And then when I can't go any further, you get off and you go further. You go further than we ever did. And guess what? Our children, natural and spiritual, will be more qualified than we ever were. They'll get a better job than we ever had. They'll buy a bigger house than we ever had. And they'll do it at a younger age. And they'll earn more money than we ever did. And they'll go overseas more often and earlier. And our job is not to hinder them. And hold them back. Our job is to be their prayer partner, their cheerleader, their spiritual mom, their spiritual dad, encourager, mentor, love them and pray for them. I'm going to finish with a story that I have shared before. A few years ago, you may remember it. I've heard Phil Pringle tell the story. As far as I believe, it's fictitious. It's not talking about anyone in particular. So let's just relax. <laughs> there was a youth pastor once in a church And he had years of pent-up sermons brewing within him. And all he wanted to do was preach. But the senior pastor would never give him a go. And he used to ask him all the time, please, sir, please, pastor, can I preach? Can I preach? Can I? Can I please? Can I? And then he was even almost at the point where he was praying. The senior pastor would get sick, so he'd be called in one morning. But he didn't quite go that far because that would be witchcraft. And anyway, one day the senior pastor said, all right, to get him off his back. You can preach. You can just do a four-minute communion message like Pete did today. (laughs) You can do that. You can do that. So this guy was praying and fasting. He was getting the Word of the Lord. He was getting ready. And then he got up there and it was amazing. It was revival. He was bringing prophetic words. He was calling people out with words of knowledge. He was laying hands on people. They were going down under the power of God. They were getting saved, baptised in the Holy Spirit, set free. Demons were coming out. It was revival. And at the end of the Sunday, the pastor was standing on the door, as you do, shaking hands with people as they're going out. They're saying, thanks, pastor, good sermon. But someone said to him, hey, pastor, that young guy, that you, he was amazing. 
you should get him up there to preach more often. And the senior pastor's thinking behind gritted teeth as he's shaking hands. That young guy will never, ever preach in this church ever again. How sad. How sad. Do you know what? True parents are never threatened by their children. True spiritual mums and dads are never intimidated or threatened by their spiritual or biological children. They are proud of them. They love them. They pray for them. They help them. They set them up. They cheer them on. This is what we're called to do and be. We're called to raise up and release the next generation. But if we are not secure in the Father's love, if we are unfathered by Him, we will always struggle to properly father and mother others. We will not be able to train up and release others. And this is a big problem because Jesus told us in the Great Commission, and go into all the world and make disciples. Matthew 28. But how can we make disciples if we're insecure like Saul? How can we make disciples if we're not a true father and mother in the faith? We haven't been fathered, so we don't know how to do it. How can we make disciples if we won't give anyone else a look in? If we've always got to be the top dog. The devil wants to keep the church small. The devil seeks to contain the growth of the kingdom of God on earth. He does not want you to reach maturity and start inputting into others. He does not want you to be a strong spiritual mum or dad in the faith. He wants you to stay like a spoiled. He wants you and I to stay like spoiled, bratty, self-centered teenagers so we don't ever reproduce. The devil fears who you are and what you are. He fears there being more of you. He is trying to get you on spiritual birth control pills so you don't produce fruit. The enemy is so scared of you and your potential. He does not want you training up many more of your mini-me's because you're already giving the devil a migraine as it is. You're already doing damage to the kingdom of darkness. The last thing the enemy wants is for you to multiply yourself. So he tries to stop us from receiving a revelation of the Father's love which brings us to a place of peace and wholeness and healing and maturity. So then we're in health and we can reproduce. He tries to stop that process. Let's stand this morning. Now we're aware the enemy's strategy is to stop us fathering or mothering anyone. So now we've got to let the Lord father us so we can in turn father and mother others. You know, there are spiritual children waiting now for you to mother them, to father them and call out the giftings on their lives and give them a go and train them up and release them and pray for them. There's a lot at stake. We have to raise up an army now. We've got to get these labourers out into the harvest field now. There are too many orphans. It is time for the fathers and mothers in the Spirit to arise. And if you know God's calling you to that, and you want a fresh revelation of the Father's love, I'd love you to come and stand out here with me now. And we are going to, our team, we're going to lay hands on people and we're going to pray for them as we worship. That'd be amazing. Father, right now, make us mums and dads in the faith. True mums and dads. Lord, give us a revelation of your Father heart. Show us who you are. Show us who we are in you. In Jesus' name, come Holy Spirit.